Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 2080baseball.com and D1 Baseball. Tonight is the Major League Baseball Draft. The Chicago White Sox have another top five pick as they'll be picking third, and it seems all arrows are pointing to them drafting Cal first baseman Andrew Vaughn, a slugging first baseman who could be an elite bat in the White Sox prospect pipeline. But the baseball world still waits on Baltimore. Everyone thinks they should take Adley Rushman, but what happens if they pass on the catcher for an under-the-slot deal? Is it possible that Rushman falls to the White Sox at number three? There's a lot of anticipation for this year's draft, and we are getting started with the Sox Machine Draft Show right now. Hello and welcome to the Sox Machine Draft Show for the 2019 Major League Baseball Draft. I am Josh Nelson. Thank you everyone for tuning in on Mixler.com slash Sox Machine and also on SoxMachine.com as we will be streaming for the next hour covering the Chicago White Sox. First round pick of the 2019 Major League Baseball Draft providing live analysis of the picks especially with pick number one for the Baltimore Orioles, pick number two for the Kansas City Royals, and recap who the White Sox will add at pick three. It should be a very fun night. And joining me once again from SoxMachine.com to help provide the analysis, it's Jimmy Osborne. Hello, Jimmy. Thanks for coming back on the draft show again. Thank you very much for having me. And from Future Sox and TheLoopSports.com, it's James Fox. And James, we've been texting back and forth all week leading up to this draft. I don't know if there's anyone else who is more excited than you are for the next three days. Are you still pumped as we're just a half an hour away from the I start am of the draft? Ready to go. Awesome. I can feel I'm your more excitement. Ready for tomorrow than today, which and- is awkward, but you know. <laughs> 
We wouldn't have it any other way, James. James Fox, ready for rounds three through ten, uh, more than rounds one and two. Uh, that's why we love you, James. But also join us for the fourth year in a row doing this draft show with me. And I assume one day he's going to get sick of me and not come back on. From Future Sox as well, it's Brian Billick. And hello, Brian. Good to have you on the draft show hey, again. Josh, hey, guys. Good to be back. So for the first 30 minutes, we'll be previewing the Major League Baseball draft. As again, it officially starts at 6 p.m. Central Time. If this is your first time uh, listening to the draft show, we are going to wait until Major League Baseball announces the pick. Uh, so this is a good opportunity if you're listening to us on the phone or your computer and you got MLB Network on. Uh, if you don't want to hear Harold Reynolds try to provide analysis on these players, you can listen to us. Uh, and... During our preview here, in a moment, we're going to be joined by Burke Granger of 2080Baseball.com and D1Baseball.com as he will give us his expert scouting reports as he's seen a lot of these prospects as we get a little bit more information on what type of players are available in this draft class. But before we do, I think it's time to go over our draft boards, gentlemen. And the White Sox have the third pick, so the draft boards don't have to be too long when it comes to the first-round pick. Just three players. Uh, but, Jimmy, let's start with you. Who are the top three players on your draft board for the Chicago White uh, well, Sox? I, in order for the first three picks, it would be Rutschman, Witt, and Abrams. For myself, it would be Abrams and then probably uh, Bobby Witt, who I think is gone. And then I like Shea Langoliers. All right, so you have Langoliers pretty high. Langoliers, for those that don't know, he's a catcher from Baylor. He just set a NCAA postseason record of driving in 11 RBIs in wow. his last game, hitting, I think it was like three home runs. He had a monster game uh, during regionals, uh, and he broke his hand bone, and he was considered a top-five pick prior to that hand injury. Uh, but Langeliers should be uh, definitely a top-15 pick. We'll see if he goes as high in the top five uh, for Jimmy. So, James, over to you. Who do you have in your top three for the draft board? So uh, I think like everybody else, Adley Rushman's right there at the top. I would say um, high school shortstop Bobby Wood Jr. second. And then for me, I actually would have C.J. Abrams third as well. Um, I just I kind of like the idea of Abrams too, just that, you know, if he doesn't make it at the first position, he's he could stick in center field, which is promising for me. Yeah, there's some versatility, and I have the same top three as well. Uh, so I guess could this possibly be uh, three in a row as far as top three? Brian, who is on your top three for the White Sox draft? Well, I guess I'll, I'll be the one to break the trend then. Um, I definitely agree with the first two, with Rushman and uh, Bobby Witt, too. I mean, championships, ch- championships are built up the middle, and both of these guys are, are premium prospects at catcher and shortstop, uh, respectively. And then three, I, I am going to go with Vaughn, uh, who seems to be the most likely pick for the Sox today. I think uh, you know a lot of people have been looking for reasons to bring him down and everything, but uh, the more people that I, I hear from and read up on it, it really seems like Vaughn is kind of, uh, if not in that first tier of players in this draft, maybe in a second tier all, all by himself. Yeah, and with the tiers, you know, people have been talking about for weeks that – the top six can go in any order 
Adley Rushman, Bobby Wood Jr., Andrew Vaughn, C.J. Abrams, J.J. Blade, the outfielder from Vanderbilt, Riley Green, the prep outfielder from Florida. Uh, can go anywhere in the top six in some type of order. And then the draft can go random between pick seven through nine. And that is the Cincinnati Reds. That's the Texas Rangers. And that is the Atlanta Braves and the San Francisco Giants at the 10th pick in the draft. And uh, we should start seeing starting pitching be taken, even though it's a very weak part of this draft class. Nick Lodolo, the starting pitcher from uh, TCU. Also Alec Manoa, uh, right-handed starter from West Virginia. Zach Thompson, left-handed starter from Kentucky. Even though they may not be top 15 quality pitching prospects, they should go pretty early because there's not enough starting pitching to go around in this Major League Baseball draft. So, James, you had C.J. Abrams third on your board. And most likely, from what we are understanding from all the mocks right now uh, across the board, Adley Rushman won, Bobby Witt Jr. two. Uh, with C.J. Abrams... The report that just came out, and it came out from Fangraphs.com, from Eric Loggenhagen and Kylie McDaniel, is that scouts are not thrilled with C.J. Abrams' makeup because he doesn't love baseball as much as scouts would like. Do you think that's really going to impact his standing of where he gets selected in this I mean, I wouldn't think so until... You know, it kind of came out. I think um, it might have more to do with money with him. I don't, I don't know that, but just speculating, it seems like teams would be interested in C.J. Abrams because they could probably save a million dollars or so and then use money later. And if he's not willing to do that, I could see that as a more realistic reason as to why he's going to fall, I guess. But falling would be five, six, seven, eight, probably. Yeah, recent mock drafts now have C.J. Abrams going sixth to the San Diego Padres. Of course, a player that the White Sox were considering uh, would end up going to San Diego. That fits the theme, uh, what's been happening in the last couple of years. Uh, But, Brian, you know, you and I have been doing this draft show for a while. And we've been through, I think, the variety of discussions about what the White Sox will do in the first round. What do you think is the conversation that is taking place in the White Sox draft room at this moment? Well, obviously, I think picking three really simplifies things for them. I mean, their list should be three players deep, but, you know, I suppose with the financial change of the draft now, it's uh, very likely they're at least talking to someone speculatively about cutting a deal to move some money back into the later rounds, perhaps the second, to get a prime talent there. But really, I, I think the Sox are just kind of uh, at a point where they would know kind of what's going to happen, and it's basically barring a surprise with either Witt or Rushman falling out of those top two picks. I, I think they're pretty set on Vaughn. Uh, you know, that said, the industry hasn't done the greatest job uh, kind of guessing the Sox picks these last few years. I know they definitely had them on Rodon, but outside of that pick, I think the Sox have held their – intentions pretty close to the chest and uh haven't really been scooped much but i think in this one if, if they could get a chance at either rushman or wit they're going to leave uh really happy now a name that came up as a surprise with the mock drafts uh in the last couple of days jimmy is texas third baseman pro, uh, prep player brett Beatty. And we did get this question in the chat. So for those that are listening right now, we do have a chat window where you guys can submit questions and comments and we'll uh, try to get to them and answer them during the show. But Mr. Topaz is asking, Jimmy, ignoring that Beatty is certainly a reach. How much do you guys think 
he should be dinged for his age because he is older than 19 and a half. I think he should be dinged substantially. That's that's there are kids in this draft that are 17 and a half. He's uh, he's a year and a half older than almost everybody he plays against. And he's two years older than some of the people he plays against. That's a huge advantage at that age for at my age. It's no advantage. But, <laughs> but you know, for teenagers, that's a huge advantage. And and uh, y- how it's not easy to judge somebody uh, based on the fact that they're playing people that are, you know, that far removed from uh, where he is. Uh, I mean, he's almost as old as some of the juniors that are being drafted. And, you know, and James, Jimmy does make a good point because at 19 and a half, that's like a junior college age, right? In the first round, if there was a junior college position player prospect uh, that was first round quality, you would assume right around that age, 19, 20 years old, uh, would be that junior college prospect facing much stiffer competition uh, than high schoolers. Do you knock Brett Beatty on your draft board because of his age? Um, I mean, I do, obviously, like if I'm picking third. Now, I don't know if I thought he was the best player and I was picking in like that 12 to 15 range. I don't know how much I would really care if you really thought that he was um, the best guy. I mean, just to look at some of these high schoolers, Bobby Witt Jr. is a year older than, you know, than he should be too. And and uh, C.J. Abrams old older for the high school kids in the class. And Beatty's older than both of them. So, I mean, I definitely understand the concern. But, I mean, you have, you know, teams maybe half the league that won't even touch this guy because he's 19 and a half. And I know it's different. But if he goes to Texas and rakes for two years and goes in the, you know, and then he's a, you know, he's a, going in the top 10 two years from now at 21 and a half you know the same teams would be totally fine with drafting him so it's you know it's kind of a weird weird thing but it's it's definitely prevalent there's a bunch of teams that won't even touch him are the white Sox one of those teams brian in your opinion is this an area do you foresee the white Sox doing something let's call it clever and try to go under slot with a high schooler with a third pick. I mean, speaking specifically to Beatty, I, I would be kind of surprised. I think Jim Callis did talk about that as a possibility this morning in one of MLB.com's uh, mock drafts today. Uh, I, I really, I don't see it happening. Um, you know, as I think in the Sox history, they've really kind of gone for guys that are closer to the big leagues, guys that have less risk or less perceived risk and less upside as a result as well. And I think, uh, you know, some of the other guys, whether it's probably Vaughn or probably a better fit there. And I think just speaking generally, I mean, as James was speaking to, the uh, certain organizations are very much concerned about age and they're plugging everything into algorithms and coming out with more of a, I guess, more of a deviation from the scouting, hardcore scouting, just uh, seeing the players and they're going more analytical. You know, I don't think the Sox are one of those teams, and I don't think Beatty particularly makes sense, um, you know, other than the rumors we heard from MLB.com today. Well, let's learn more about the players that are going to be part of this Major League Baseball draft class that we're going to be hearing, not just for today, but also over the next two days as the 3rd to 10th round takes place on Tuesday, and then all the picks after the 10th round take place on Wednesday. Jimmy, James, and Brian will join me later as the Major League Baseball draft begins. 
Join us now on the Sox Machine Draft Show. Is a writer for 2080baseball.com and d1baseball.com. He's excellent as far as scouting these draft prospects all over the country. It's Burke Granger. And hello, Burke. Thanks for joining us. I have to imagine uh, it's been a pretty busy weekend for you covering the regionals and now preparing for the draft. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy week leading up up to this weekend, writing uh, regional previews and then following the, the regionals as we're trying to simultaneously prepare for the draft on Monday through Wednesday. It's It's been a lot of writing, a lot of uh, sleepless nights. Um been locked away in my basement, and I just kind of come up for caffeine and food and say hi to my wife and, and kids every now and then when I can. I hope the basement is comfy, though. Tell me the basement is comfy. It is, yeah. I got I I got a nice setup down here with uh, with screens that are larger than they need to be, but they come in handy uh, this time of year. And for those that have been reading as far as my coverage on what the White Sox could possibly do during this college baseball season and draft season, I have relied a lot on Burke's expertise because Burke has been all over the country this year watching these draft prospects. And they do such a great job at D1Baseball.com covering the college programs, but also at 2080Baseball.com. They got excellent video and all these prospects. So as the White Sox are drafting players, definitely go to 2080Baseball.com over these next three days uh, to get a good look at them via video, uh, especially videos that Burke has taken. So with that being said, Burke, I'm sure you have many thoughts about this year's draft class. Let's start with the strength. What do you think is the strength of this draft class? So so I think one strength would be there are a lot of of middle infielders in this class. Um, When we talk about, like, the weaknesses, it's – evident that college pitching is down but there are very good middle infielders especially at the high school level like Bobby Witt Jr. has been you know one of the top names in this class for years now uh CJ Abrams has been a top five top ten pick uh for the last year and then there's several other it goes pretty deep at the high school level and then even even at the college level like Bryson Stott and Will Wilson uh, from UNLV and NC State, those guys are are likely first round picks. Um, I don't know if either are are potent perennial superstars, but they're they're solid, uh, likely big leaguers, which is what you're hoping to get out of this class. Now you mentioned college pitching being a weakness. Is that the weakness of this draft class, or are there other holes that you see that? teams may not get the best value picking these types of players this year. It's down at high school catching as well. So for me, it's those two. It's college pitching, which we kind of knew coming in that it would be down. And a few arms did establish themselves, like Nick Lodolo from TCU, a guy who was the 41st overall pick out of high school, didn't sign, kind of had a – two solid but unspectacularly years at, at TCU before this year and really turned it on, found his stuff, uh, worked in the strike zone more often. He's risen to the top of the draft class at, at the, the college level um, for pitchers. But there haven't been – you know, there's not a Casey Mize in this class, and there's not a guy like a Brady Singer who is that well-established for that long at Florida. Um, and, and two of the better guys are like – um, Alec Manoa out of West Virginia 
and Jackson Rutledge uh, out of Sanjak and Houston, the junior college power arm. Both those guys are, are big, big guys. Manoa is 6'6", 270. Uh, Rutledge is you know, 6'8", 250. It's, there aren't a lot of starting pitchers in the league that size uh, and those that are don't maintain careers for that long. Lodolo is more of kind of the, the prototypical uh, drafty. He's, you know, 6'6", 200-pound lefty. Um, a few a few small school college arms kind of did cement themselves. George Kirby, he's a guy who has some of the best command in the draft out of Elon, uh, but n- he's not going to overpower you. He's definitely more polished than stuff. And then Seth Johnson from from Campbell, who really came out of nowhere, was a, a junior college infielder la- last year, a light-hitting guy who has transitioned to the pen. And surprisingly, he's got some of the best mechanics in the class. Um, but he's getting he's gotten roughed up a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, it, it's becoming evident that he's just not used to this type of workload, which is understandable. Um, personally, I'm not worried about it. This is the first time he's ever pitched, and he's over like the 60-inning mark. So not surprised to see him tire as, as Campbell's still, still playing in the regional. But, um, yeah, that, that – that college pitching class is a weakness as well as the high school catching class. You know, we're, we're here 24. I'm as we record this 24 hours away from the draft. I can't tell you who's going to be the top high school catcher off the board. And it's certainly in my mind, not going to be in the first three rounds. Now, Burke, everyone for a while has said that one of the best players in this draft class, someone that should go first overall based on their talent is Oregon state catcher, Adley Rushman. And, There is some buzz or maybe some rumors or gossip, however you want to call it, that Baltimore may not take Rushman number one as they may want to try to go under slot with the first pick, try to push money back later in their second round pick and maybe get another top 25 pick. So they get two top 25 players in this draft class as they are starting their rebuild. Uh, If that is to be the case, let's let's play this hypothetical that Baltimore would take maybe Cal first baseman Andrew Vaughn, Vanderbilt outfielder J.J. Blade, or as you mentioned, high school shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. Are these three players close to Rushman's talent level? Yeah, I, I could say they're close. For me, Rushman is clearly uh, the top player in the draft. If you would have asked me last year at this time who who would be the top pick in, in the 2019 draft, I would have told you it's Adley Rutschman. And it's one of those rare circumstances where he really never moved off the top spot. So last year at this time, he was leading Oregon State to a national championship, really emerged as, as a switch-hitting sophomore catcher. Uh, and then this year just took everything kind of a step further. And this is after a solid showing with the collegiate and the national team over the summer with wood bats, which is a good indicator of future success as you try to project out how these guys are going to hit in pro ball. Um, so I would still be surprised if it wasn't Rutschman. But, you know, if you're running a team and you have the first overall pick uh, and you're a smart um, Ivy League educated general manager like Mike Elias is at, at Baltimore, you're going to run through all your scenarios. So I'm sure they're I'm sure it's legit that they are evaluating their options and they'd be silly not to. That said, I still think the best option is to take a guy like like Rutschman, who is, in my mind, sort of the the best draft prospect since Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, that that era a few years ago. Um, he's by no means a sure thing, but he just 
the, the balance in the profile is so good. Um, and it's also what he can do behind the plate. He's a good leader. He's got a really good arm. He's a quiet receiver. These are, it's, it's just for me, he's a guy that you can kind of start to build your rebuild, rebuild around. Um, there could be other guys, you know, Bobby Witt Jr., there is appeal there in that, you know, the Orioles are probably more than three years away uh, from from competing. So for me, I would listen to an argument to say, is it worth the Orioles taking a high school guy um, with perhaps a little more upside to because they're, they're not in a rush to compete right away. And Rutschman will be ready in probably two to three years to to play at the major league level. But they, you know, I don't anticipate the Orioles be overly competitive there, so they can be a little more patient. That said, I'd, I'd still take Rutschman um, and just use him as your cornerstone for the rebuild. For the White Sox, the dream is that Baltimore doesn't take Rutschman, and hopefully we're talking about the White Sox taking Adley Rutschman third overall, but also trying to be realistic, it was not that long ago, just a couple weeks ago, Burke, that there was rumors that the White Sox could be leaning towards high school shortstop from Georgia, C.J. Abrams. But now it seems they are possibly moving away from Abrams and looking to go college bat again in the first round, this time with Andrew Vaughn or J.J. Blade. If you had to make that decision for the White Sox, and let's say it is between Andrew Vaughn and C.J. Abrams, which player do you prefer prefer more, Abrams or Vaughn? So for me, I prefer, I prefer Abrams a little bit more to Vaughn. I like them both quite a bit. Abrams is just the guy that I've seen, maybe in this class, I've seen more than any other player. Uh, starting last year in June uh, at the Perfect Game National Showcase down in Tampa, Florida. He, so for those that don't know, you know, we'll have the draft here tomorrow in early June. And then oh, literally a week later, perfect game uh, will kick off the next draft cycle for the 2020 guys at the Perfect Game National Showcase. So when I went to that last year, the the first pitch of that event, C.J. Abrams uh, pulls a pulls a triple into the gap, and 11 seconds later he's standing on third base. And um, you know, I knew who C.J. Abrams was, but this was my first live look. And I'm like, wow, you know, naturally everyone in the event is going to stand up and take notice. And since then, I've seen him at numerous events. I've probably seen 50 plate appearances from him. Um, there are times when he he does things that are maddening to me and that he puts a lot of balls on the ground, but he's also got 80 speed. So him putting a lot of balls on the ground with 80 speed against high school competition usually result in him getting on first base and when I'm watching games where his team is genuinely trying to win, not just wow evaluators, I can't fault him too much for that because I have seen him elevate the ball, drive it into gaps. I don't think he'll ever have a plus power, but I think he could have 15 home run power. Uh, but primarily he's, he's going to be a bat to ball guy who's going to get on the bases and wreak havoc. Uh, I like the profile shortstop. He's really athletic, quick, tw- quick twitch athlete. Um, he he definitely is a smooth defender at short. That said, I still I still kind of like him in center field. I've seen him play center field when he was with the USA Baseball 18 and under team uh, because Bobby Witt Jr. was playing shortstop on that team. So Abrams, uh, just a premium athlete, goes out in the center and 
and hold, more, than, more than holds his own. He gets good reads. He's obviously got the closing speed to run down any ball in the gap and can make any throw from center field. So um, whether it be at shortstop or center field, he'd be the guy that I kind of take. Um, that said, I still like Vaughn a lot. Vaughn has some of the best uh, bat-to-ball skills in this class. He hasn't done quite this year what he did last year, but if you if you check out what he did last year, it was it was silly. It was video game numbers, like twice as many walks as strikeouts. Won the Golden Spikes Award. He's not going to win that this year. Rutschman will. Um, but what Vaughn has going against him is that he's a six foot, uh, six foot even, right 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 handed hitting, right handed throwing first baseman. That's pretty much the only position. If things don't work out for him with the bat. Uh, then you're kind of out of luck. There's so much value tied into him with the bat. And that's not to say he's not a good athlete. He is. He, he's pitched some earlier in his career. He's got a good arm. Um, I think he, he's tried out third base. I just don't think that's a future home for him. You're just, t- you're putting a lot of stock into whether or not he can hit. I think he can, but if he doesn't, you don't have options. Uh, a guy like Abrams, when he just has that premium athleticism, even if it takes a while for him to get the bat going, there are other ways he can help out the ball club. Vaughn just doesn't have that. So if it's me in, in the draft room, I would go Abrams. All right, let's say you are in the White Sox draft room, and Nick Costeller points to you, Burke, and asks you for your top three on your draft board that the White Sox could possibly contemplate. Who would be on your top three? <laughs> So, so for me, it would be Adley Rushman one one, uh, and I know they're they're probably not expecting him to go there. But if you remember back a couple years ago, they probably weren't expecting Carlos Rodon to to slide to them at three, and whatever year that was. Um, but it, but it happened, and you got to be ready. You got to make sure your cross checkers have been out to see him to to scoop him up if he's available. Number two for me would be Bobby Witt Jr., uh, a guy like Abrams. I've, I've just seen a ton. Uh, there were times when I was questioning whether or not he would hit at this level. I think he, he's a true five-tool talent uh, with the bat being maybe the only questionable tool. And I, I do think he'll be an average or better hitter. And then and then it's J.J. Bladé at, at Vanderbilt, the right fielder from Vanderbilt, SEC player of the year, uh, leading the nation in home runs. And he's not just a slugger. He he can help you with defense too. He, his his arm in right field is a deterrent for people to taking the extra base. Um, and just what he's done in the SEC uh, this year with the bat and and in the grass with the glove have, have just been really impressive to me that he's kind of in our latest rankings at 2080baseball.com. He did vault up to that number three spot, whereas previously we probably had Vaughn there. Uh, and we've slid Vaughn down, I think, to five with Abrams at four. So, if Rushman goes one and Witt goes two, if you were consulting with the White Sox, you would recommend J.J. Blitte? I would, yeah. Um, and it, it'd be it'd be difficult between he and, and C.J. Abrams for me, for sure, especially with the amount of college bats that the White Sox have taken in the past several years. You never draft for need. But I would give consideration to the risk profile that you already have in your system. The, the White Sox have picked a ton of college bats. Uh, some are working out better than others. And they haven't picked through the draft a ton of those high upside, high athletic prep kids. 
I think you know the the last one would would be like a guy like Tim Anderson who's obviously playing very well, um, and then they've gotten obviously Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, and and Yuan Mancada through through trades and acquisitions and signings. Um, but from a draft standpoint, I would try to diversify my risk profile a little bit, so I would give consideration to taking a guy like Anderson. Uh, sorry, a guy like like Abrams, not giving any consideration to whether or not Tim Anderson is already manning that position. That that wouldn't even enter my mind when you're drafting an 18-year-old kid uh, that's at least three years away from the major leagues. So the last question before the draft starts, who do you think goes number one overall? For me, I, I would be very surprised if it's, if it's not Rutschman, but – Surprises do happen pretty frequently in the in the draft, and Mike Elias, when he was with the Astros, was involved in several of those. Drafting Carlos Correa first overall in the year that Byron Buxton was was expected to go number one. Uh, Brady Aiken, I don't think was was thought to go number one overall until shortly before that draft. And then with other teams like Mickey Moniak and Royce Lewis, it wasn't expected until we we didn't hear about that until a few hours before the draft. Now in those years, there wasn't a guy like Rutschman who was a clear cut number one. Um, but to, to a certain extent there was like Hunter green was the top guy on many people draft, many people's draft boards for an entire year before Royce Lewis went number one. So um, I would be surprised if it wasn't Rutschman, but um, it's, it's far from a certainty that he's going number one. I'll put it that way. Well, the drama is building. We'll see what Baltimore does. And if based on Baltimore, it sure will have a ripple effect, especially in the first 10 picks of the 2019 Major League Baseball draft. And you can follow Burke on Twitter. He's at Burke Granger. I highly recommend it because he does excellent work, excellent scouting reports at 2080baseball.com and d1baseball.com. Those are two of my favorite resources as far as following college prospects and prospects in general. And Burke, as always, thanks for your expert analysis, and thank you for joining the show. Thank you, Josh. It's always great to talk to you. And thank you to Burke Granger for joining us on the Sox Machine MLB Draft Show, as it is currently 6.04. Thank you guys for joining in the draft room. We got a ton of listeners right now. If you guys have questions or comments uh, in the Mixler window, there is a chat window where you guys can submit questions and comments. We'll be more than happy to answer them. If you just joined us, welcome. I'm Josh Nelson. Also joined... From Sox Machine as well, Jimmy Osborne, and then joining our friends over at Future Sox and Loop Sports, James Fox and Brian Billick. As we are building up to the first pick of the 2019 Major League Baseball draft for the Baltimore Orioles, we assume it's going to be Andley Rushman, but James, there's been a lot of conversations on Twitter. If it's not Rushman, who do you think it could be? I mean, be for I guess Baltimore? my first guess would be that they would go Bobby Witt just because um, the familiarity with him, with his uncle in their in their uh the building there i guess and you know you could make the argument that he makes a little more sense just for their timeline because i think they're going to be bad for quite a while so if they wanted to go with a high school guy there you know i think you could make you can make that argument and for quite a while might be an understatement there james (laughs) they may have the number one pick next year as well and next year if you're looking for college starting pitching there's a lot of options for college starting pitching in next year's Major League Baseball draft. Uh, Brian, let's play this hypothetical here. Let's say Baltimore takes Andrew Vaughn 
as Fangraphs, Kylie McDaniel in their 4.1 mock draft that they just released uh, said that the alternative for number one is Andrew Vaughn. If that is the case, how excited should White Sox fans be? I think they should be really excited. I mean, it's a little scary. It kind of would be reminiscent of, you know, the Carl Sardin draft where everything seemingly worked out for the White Sox in, in front of them and they got the best player in the draft and, you know, they were going to skate to having this ace at the front of the rotation for so long. We know how that ended up. But I, I think either case, I mean, you get uh, one of the top guys that it's up the middle players, premium talent. I, I think the Sox are really hoping it's Rushman who falls and as much as I would like to have an argument that the Royals should not take him, I, I think if, if it's Witt that goes one or Vaughn that goes one, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe that's a, an interesting bounce back question. If Vaughn does go one, what is the expectation for the Royals? I mean, is it probably going towards Rushman, or do you think they stick with their guy with? Yeah, that's a great question, well, Jimmy. What are your thoughts? Would the Royals take Rushman or Witt if they I, I had that, that opportunity? I think they stick with Witt because um, I, I would imagine there's a bit of a marriage there, and if they're comfortable with him, which everybody gives us an impression that that is the case, why would they? Why would they switch horses? I mean, there's a lot of upside in Witt. So yes, if I'd say the best thing for the Sox would be Vaughn going number one because he would offer them a nice discount. That would be the only reason I would see. I think there would be a very good chance that um, that he drops to us. But if they pick Witt number one, I don't see Rutschman getting to us. So, Brian, this is our fourth year doing this draft show, and it wouldn't be the Major League Baseball draft show Uh when they announce that they're going to start at 6 p.m. Central Time, and it is currently 6.07, and they have yet to announce the first pick of the draft, Baltimore is still not on the clock, technically, uh, for the for the draft, folks. So uh, please hang in with us. Uh, again, we are going to be taking you through, most certainly through the White Sox first-round pick, but we're waiting for Major League Baseball uh, to actually get this draft started. Commissioner Rob Manfred is currently at the podium uh, kicking off as far as the ceremonies for the Major League Baseball draft as they are at Studio 42 for MLB Network. And, you know, they just took a, a pan shot, James, of who is actually there for the Major League Baseball draft. And I know that you cover the NFL draft quite a bit as well. There's only four players that showed up in the green room. Uh, that will be donning the jersey when they when their names are announced in the first round. I think that's pretty sad, and I think part of the problem is, is that the Major League Baseball draft is held so close to regionals. Do you think Major League Baseball needs to readjust the schedule here and find another time to have the Major League Baseball draft that's maybe not as close to regionals to allow more prospects to be in I don't know, I mean, it was, this It was, day? what, like a week later before or two weeks later before? Well, the regionals, yeah, there's know, games the, being played move, right now. They move the draft off. To determine the regionals. Right, it's, it's, then it has been the past few years. I don't know. Yes. I think this is, like, one of the only times you can do it just because it messes with, um, like, the short season leagues in, for the for the majors. I mean, these guys get taken tomorrow and the next day, and then they're reporting to Great Falls to start, whatever, three, four days from now. So, I don't know. I don't know if there's another time that you can really do it that makes sense for Major League Baseball. Now, there's definitely – a better time to do it for, for the college programs. The college programs would all like to be finished, I think. Right. And there's been some suggestions of hosting the Major League Baseball draft during the College World Series at Omaha. Uh, 
Do you like that idea, Brian? Have waiting until the end of June for the I, draft? I think I do like that idea. I mean, it's a little strange that in today's society that they're still allowing players to get drafted and then play as amateurs for for the rest of the year. Uh, especially, you know, what we've seen with these pitchers and, and, and seeing how an arm injury, an untimely arm, arm injury around the draft could really affect your stock. And, you know, there are ongoing contract negotiations with amateurs causing for complications with the NCAA and the management and the representations. I think, you know, it would really simplify the process and kind of take away some of these unintended consequences if, if they did end up moving the draft back when uh, – you know, in, in speaking to the College World Series idea, I think that's a great idea because you can get more eyes on this draft that's nowhere near as popular as, you know, the NFL or the NBA. Baltimore has two minutes left on the draft clock before the number one pick of the 2019 draft is finally announced and we'll finally see what direction Baltimore uh, is willing to go. And I guess, Jimmy, the next pick after Baltimore is the Kansas City Royals. And we mentioned that the Royals selected five college starting pitchers last year. And they do have some promising young talent that we are seeing on the field and in Mondesi at shortstop. Is Bobby Witt the play here all the way, or is there someone else that you could see for being a better fit for I, the Royals? I, I think that he – you know, I think that they feel, and I think they're right, that he could be a cornerstone player. I believe, and I have said as much, I think he could be a star, an, an NB, uh, MLB star. I think he has star power. He could be a, a, a middle-of-the-lineup um, player for them for a dozen years, and they could pretty much hang their hat on him and that and all their advertising. Um, something I, I, I did want to mention about the, uh, what James said, and I agree, is the early season uh, or the short season teams need players. But if you're at Great Falls, you've got to fly into Spokane, and then you got to wait for the next wagon train to go to Great Falls. That could take days, and, <laughs> and so you need the draft early. <laughs> Maybe when you were 30... <laughs> That's, they, people do good what do you mean they don't like wagon there's anymore. wagon trains they they don't run regularly <laughs> but okay oh man well we did get one comment in in uh in our chat window and james the question is how much does a team's preparation for the trade deadline dictate when the draft happens that's a lot of balls to have in the air in a short time frame. And I guess that's a good perspective for the Major League Baseball general managers. Does a trade deadline impact when we have um, the draft? I don't, I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it. I mean, the, I think the draft being where it does impacts the trade deadline because I don't think teams are talking trade really at all, other than Jerry DePoto. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Seattle. Seattle's going to have a fire sale. But right now, Commissioner Rob Manfred is at the podium to announce the number one pick in the 2019 Major League Baseball draft heading to the Baltimore Orioles. Again, for White Sox fans, we'd like to see another name go on the board. But instead, Baltimore has taken has taken catcher Adley Rushman from Oregon State. So Adley Rushman is off the board. The Kansas City Royals are now on the clock. And on our draft boards, we think that is going to be Bobby Witt Jr. going to the Kansas City Royals with the Chicago White Sox next in the draft. So Brian Rushman going to Baltimore. As James mentioned, that it's going to be a while before they are good again. 
Uh, Adley Rushman is a player that could really rise through the system here uh, for Baltimore. It's one of the weaker systems in all of Major League Baseball. What do you think is a good estimated time of arrival for Rushman to join the Major League? Well, that should be interesting. I, I imagine it'll be, I mean, if he stays healthy, I imagine it'll be a debate because we have a forward-thinking front office that's just taking over, and as you guys alluded to earlier in the show, this Orioles team is a long way away from competing, and they're going to want to take their time, and, and I'm sure they're going to use you know, some of the uh, attributes that go into being a major league catcher, some of the growth that you need, working with pitchers, working with major league pitchers. You know, They're going to use some of these intangible uh, skills that, the catcher's going to have to develop as a reason probably to take it slow with Rushman to make sure that they have the majority of his service time during their competitive window, or eventual hopeful competitive window. And I guess, you know, James, with Rushman and what Brian just said about his estimated time of arrival, who do you think out of this entire draft class could reach the majors first? Um, I mean, I think... It's unusual for a catcher to make it, but I think he, I mean, Rushman could probably realistically make it within 18 months or so, but I agree with Brian that they might, they might not do that. Honestly, if the White Sox take Andrew Vaughn, he could be the first guy to the majors. Yeah. Really? How quickly do you think? Probably right around that same time frame, but I think it would be, it would be necessary for him to finish this year at Winston-Salem probably, you would think. And then, you know, if he could be, in double a at some point next year, then you're, you know, then you're pretty close. And the Kansas City Royals again are on the clock, but looking at MLB network, they do not have a clock on. Oh, there we go. They have three minutes and 40 seconds remaining before the Kansas City Royals announce their pick. Again, we think this is going to be prep shortstop Bobby Witt jr. Going to the Kansas City Royals. And, uh, Jimmy, I, I guess it's a little bit bittersweet for White Sox fans. We were hoping that the miracle would happen. We were hoping that the Orioles would go in another mm-hmm. direction. But I think, ultimately, this is the right move, right, for them to go through this rebuild, that they're going to kick it off by starting the rebuild. Well, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice for us, but uh, that's not how the world works. I mean, he's the best player in this draft. I don't think that anybody has made an argument otherwise. Um I don't know how well that organization is run. I know how it has been run. So that, you know, that would be something else. But they are, I'm going to say they've got to be five years away from a mountain to anything. I mean, they're playing the, all the best teams with all the money. So <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, if yeah. they're in the American League Central, maybe their rebuild wouldn't take yeah, five still years. Have the crazy old guy who owns uh, the team. Isn't he still there? Yes. Angelos, <laughs> yeah, he's still, yes, he's still involved. But they hired a new front office from the Houston Astros, and they're starting to be more forward-thinking. We'll see if Baltimore starts spending on the international front. Um, but with the Kansas City Royals here, obviously, guys, we watch the White Sox day in and day out. And the White Sox, I feel, had a head start on their rebuilding efforts before Kansas City. Obviously, the Kansas City Royals winning the 2015 World Series, and they we're a little bit late as far as breaking it down. Uh, James, what are some areas that you think the Royals need to approve upon through this major league baseball draft where their team currently is? In the um, I think they're going to look for like younger upside type players, especially after last year when they went super college pitching heavy. 
which was a surprise, I think. So if they go Witt here, I mean, I think he's quicker to the majors than most high school guys just because he's polished and he has the bloodlines and he's a little bit older. But um, I could see them going with multiple multiple preps early. And then they and then if they want to fill that out with college pitching, they could continue to add to that. But I think I think they they lack a lot of like impact guys that are like super close to the majors right now. I agree with that. And and Brian, I guess from a White Sox perspective here, looking at what the Royals could do, obviously this is one of your chief division rivals, as Tim Anderson says, there's forever beef. Uh, between the Royals and the White Sox, uh, should White Sox fans be concerned on who the who the Royals take here at number two? I mean, two? I think they're going to get a good player. I, I mean, I I think it's probably with I would guess out of all the draft picks in the top ten, that the you know the number one maybe past uh, Rushman going one, it had to be Witt going two to the Royals. You know, I don't I don't think I saw anybody deviate from that in the last few days and in, in the last round of mocks that we saw, but. I mean, I, you know, he's a guy that's going to stick at shortstop. He's got a lot of talent, but, it, you know, he's just a, you know, 18-year-old kid. Uh, or yeah, He'll be 19 at the end of the month. So, you know, he, he's going to be around for a long time if he, uh, if he comes as advertised, and he's probably going to be a, a pain for our White Sox pitchers for years to come. And then with the Royals here, the pick is in. So it'll be a moment here before Commissioner Rob Manfred goes to the podium again. We think this is going to be prep high school shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. going to Kansas City. For those that have just joined us on the Sox Machine Draft Show, welcome. I'm Josh Nelson alongside Jimmy Osborne, James Fox, and Brian Billick of Future Sox and the Loop Sports. And then after this pick is announced for the Kansas City Royals, it will be the Chicago White Sox on the board. And right now we think it is most likely going to be first baseman from Cal, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, but we shall see when the White Sox do make that announcement. So after this first round pick, the gears shift within the draft room because the second round is going to be later this evening. And the way that Major League Baseball is currently pacing, that might be at midnight uh, tonight, James, before the White Sox make their next pick at pick 45. Uh, but, you know, looking at the White Sox top 30 system, and I, and I think this is being discussed through all of the publications within White Sox Twitter and the White Sox blog community. Obviously, there are some pain points right now within the top 30 just based on performance. There are guys that are struggling uh, that are, I guess, underachieving what we thought was their skill level after I thought mostly was a successful 2018 season for the White Sox farm system. When you look at pick 45, are there particular... I know you never want to draft for need, but are there areas within the farm system that the White Sox should maybe concentrate their second? Um, I don't think it should be position specific, but I do. I would like them to go younger. I mean, I think they need to start loading up with some some more high school guys just to balance out kind of the bottom of that system, so you can kind of create multiple waves of guys instead of having like nothing but college guys at low A and high A. And do you agree with that, Brian? Do you think the White Sox? Need I do. To go I mean, especially if they do go with Vaughn here, they got to get some high upside players that, like James said, is gonna, they're going to come in waves and not all arrive at the same time. 
Yeah, that's something that Rick Hahn has said over and over again in his interviews, that the White Sox are trying to time these waves of talent coming in. And Commissioner Rob Manfred just announced a pick for the Kansas City Royals. It is prep high school shortstop from Texas, Bobby Witt Jr., which means the Chicago White Sox are now on the clock. And I don't think uh, this is going to be... We're going to see drama. I don't think we're going to see drama. I don't think we're going to see a change of pace. I do think it's going to be first baseman Andrew Vaughn for the White Sox. And Jimmy, I'll start with you. If it is Andrew Vaughn for the White Sox, what are your expectations for him? Uh, um, if that is the My pick? expectation is that they probably would push him, that they would push him and try to get him into their near window. Um, and, uh, to be in a position to take the handoff from Abreu. So that means in uh, three years or less, something else based on what you were saying is, I think if they pick a, uh, if they pick Abrams, for, for instance, at three, then uh, they would look to go college. But like we were talking about before, if they pick Vaughn, which we're thinking they're going to, then I think they need somebody up the middle with their second pick, if not high school, then college, but there's a shortage of up the middle. And um, I think that for the second pick, definitely we need an up the middle person. If it is Vaughn, James, where does Vaughn start his career with the West? Well, I think he'll get the, you know, the normal college tune up in the AZL, hopefully like five, six games tops. And then I, I hope he goes right to Winston-Salem, honestly. I don't know if they'll do that, but that's, that's what I would do. I mean, if he's as polished as everybody you know, thinks that he can be. I think that's where he needs to finish. He at least needs to finish there. I mean, if they want to do Canny and then Winston-Salem, fine. But I think that's where he needs to end. Mm-hmm. That's what they do with Nick Magical and Jake Berger, right? They went to Arizona for a week or maybe a couple of days, yeah. and then they were Yeah, and then, Win- right? and then I don't think Berger ever made it to Winston-Salem. But, yeah. Right, that is correct. Yeah, Berger did not make it, and... I believe Jake Berger, when he does get on the field again, he will be back with the Kannapolis Intimidators, uh, which is nice because that draws some attention to Kannapolis as they're having not the greatest 2019 season. Uh, as there's a there's a lot of younger. Don't laugh, Brian. Uh, <laughs> there's some some youngsters there. Okay, so Brian, we were talking about Andrew Vaughn and Andrew Vaughn. Who else could it possibly be? If the White Sox throw a curveball, who is another name the White Sox could take here third Well, who they were getting mocked to in the coming weeks was, was uh, Abrams. And, and I think, you know, they do ultimately go with Vaughn. But if they go with Abrams, and there's been a lot of talk these last few days, and that if Abrams gets past the White Sox, that he might slip. Uh, with, with some analysts even saying he could slip out of the top ten. You know, I think these pool a lot into the top slots of the draft uh, are have such wider ranges um, with top few picks that if the Sox were to go somewhere other than Vaughn, it, it would have to be a move to make money. Um, and some of the guys the Sox have been attached to in the second round have been guys that are higher ceiling players, guys that might command a bigger bonus than their slot. So I think ultimately that would be the route, but you know, I think for the Sox it's pretty simple that they, they take Vaughn, it's the industry's pick. It's it's the best college hitter in the draft. It's a safe it's a safe pick, but uh, you know maybe not the most exciting for White Sox fans with some of these players in the White Sox system looking like uh, first base DH types in Eloy and uh, Jake Berger and Zach Collins among others and Gavin Sheets. If you want to lump him in there as well, you'd, you'd kind of like to see a middle uh, field guy, but 
you know, you take the best player available, and I think uh, the industry's consensus would be that's Andrew Vaughn here at pick three. White Sox have two minutes left on the clock before they make their first pick of the 2019 Major League Baseball draft. And later this evening, they will have pick 45 in the second round as well. Uh, what about J.J. Blade here, James? Is this a possibility, or is it still too soon to see Blade get I don't think it's too soon. I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, we've seen him mentioned with the White Sox, I guess, like as like a third or fourth option or whatever over the past week. But, I mean, I just – I think – I think Vaughn is a better player than him. So kind of like Brian said, I think he's pretty much the consensus next guy. So that would surprise me unless, you know, unless Blade is going to save them, you know, significantly more money and they're going to be able to do something later and they decide that they think those players are even. So I guess that would be the only way. Yeah, and then you have Miami sitting behind the White Sox. This is a situation with the Miami Marlins. There's been a lot of conversation where they may go. Uh, it sounds like they prefer J.J. Blade. That's where often the mock drafts are going. So maybe the next two players off the board here will be Andrew Vaughn and J.J. Blade. If the White Sox do not take Andrew Vaughn, uh, it sounds like Miami wants to take J.J. Blade anyway. So Vaughn doesn't go here. He could go to number five to the Detroit Tigers. Do you think that factors in the thinking at all, Jimmy? And yeah. we'll wait for Jimmy okay. here. But, Brian, do you think that factors into the thinking at all for the White Sox if Andrew Vaughn falls to Detroit? If they don't take Vaughn and Vaughn ends up going to five to Detroit? I mean, I, I can answer it if you want me to. I mean, I, I, um, I kind of think that they might think so. I mean, that's like the difference of a million dollars. So if Vaughn's going to fall to there, I could totally see them saying, you know, instead of us offering you 7.2, like we'll give you 6.5 and split the difference. And then, you know, the Sox pocket like seven or 800,000 for later. Um, so, so yeah, like okay, I think I the Sox would so, like to split the difference between the two picks. I don't know if they'll be able to do that though. Yeah. The Chicago White Sox pick is in for MLB network as we wait for commissioner Rob Banfred to go to the podium, but of course, MLB Network is currently going through a commercial right now, so it'll be another two minutes. Uh, right now, we are averaging 10 minutes a pick uh, for this Major League Baseball draft. And after this, the White Sox uh, have pick 45. And uh, if it's going to take 10 minutes per pick, uh, 390 minutes is six and a half hours later. Uh, so it'll be one in the morning is what we are currently on pace for uh, for Major League Baseball hey, to get through get the first two Brian, Let me ask you this. Though. Uh, you know what? A, a player that has never moved from his high ranking is Riley Green, but no one ever talks about him as being an option for us. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that is yeah, kind got... of carries a lot of risk. I mean, I, I see him, and when you see him play against the top talent, there's a little bit of swing and miss there. I don't see a lot of fluidity in his swing. Uh, he's definitely an athlete. Um, I just don't know at the top of the draft if he's a guy you want to put uh, the majority of, your, majority of the eggs in the basket in. And again, the White Sox pick is in, but we're waiting through a commercial break for MLB Network before Commissioner Rob Manfred announces the pick. With Riley Green, I got a chance to watch him at the Under Armour Showcase at Wrigley Field last July. 
And he really wowed everyone as he hit a home run on a 1-2 breaking pitch and cleared the right field uh, scoreboard at Wrigley Field with wood bats. And he's got a lot of power, but he's not a center fielder at all, James. This is a guy that's going to play in the corner. They think that he could play in right field. If Riley Green showed that he had that tremendous power that everyone has seen, but he was someone that teams thought he could be a center fielder, do you think he would be mocked higher than? Yeah, I do think so because I think he does. He does have defensive questions even in right field. I think so. That's where and and I think some of it is he's going to hit, but they don't know how much power he's going to hit for. Um, but he shouldn't. I mean, he shouldn't fall much further than than five or six, I would think. But if he could stick in center, I think he's he's one of these guys up here at the very top. All right. So we're still waiting for the commissioner to announce the pick. As I see, Jeff Passan on ESPN is trying to drop wash bombs. <laughs> and Robert Robert. Uh, has so too. yeah. Evidently, that's. Yeah, so evidently that's that's ESPN's mode from now on. But again, we're, we'll wait until the commissioner makes the announcement. And currently right now, if you're watching online at MLB Network, there is a camera live inside the White Sox draft room. Uh, it's pretty dark in there. Uh, <laughs> and they could use some more lighting in the draft room. Uh, but again, we are expecting it to be first baseman from Cal, Andrew Vaughn, to go to the White Sox as it's currently 6.30 here. Thank you so much for joining the 2019 Major League Baseball Draft Show. I'm Josh Nelson alongside Jimmy Osborne, James Fox, and Brian Billick. And the commissioner has just announced it. And yes, it is Andrew Vaughn, first baseman from Cal, going to the Chicago White Sox. So the White Sox add another high-profile bat into their farm system. Fangraphs has Andrew Vaughn ranked 60 in their top 100. Uh, So the White Sox are gaining a top 100 prospect. They also still have Aloy Jimenez ranked in their top 100. So Jimenez is going to graduate. So the White Sox are going to lose a top 10 prospect off their farm system list. Uh, But they gain another top 100 here, at least on fan graphs. And we'll see on how everybody's top 100 shuffles after the draft. But fan graphs says that Andrew Vaughn is the 60th ranked prospect uh, in all of Major League Baseball. And Brian, let's start with you. Do you like this pick for the White Sox taking Andrew Vaughn? I think Vaughn? this is a pick that kind of made itself. Um, you know, there's a little bit of risk there, especially with the composition of the White Sox farm system right now. But, you know, like we always say, you got to draft the best player available. I do think he was the most uh, surefire major leaguer available at this point. And I do think he's a guy that at least at the plate at face value, I mean, it doesn't look like there's any holes in his swing. Uh, a, lot, a lot to like in his offensive profile, taking a lot of walks, getting a good idea of the strike zone, handling, getting pitched around this year pretty well, keeping everything, uh, keeping his stats up with pitchers really leaning on the off-speed stuff and trying to pitch away from him. You know, hopefully this is a guy that moves quickly through the system for the White Sox, as James alluded to earlier, probably going to end the year in Winston-Salem with the Sox, as we've seen them in the past be really aggressive. But I, I think that kind of brings up, the, the fact that they brought in Chris Gatz, they've been much uh, more conservative bringing guys through the system through the system these last few years. With Vaughn, this is a guy that a lot of people expect to be the first player from this draft to reach major leagues. I guess Hugh Josh. I mean, do, do you think he's going to be the first guy up from this draft? And, and do you think the Sox are kind of going to deviate from their more recent trends of holding players back now that they're getting close to uh, putting together a competitive product? 
Well, there's players that are certainly forcing the issue, right? Look at Luis Robert and, and Birmingham. I mean, if he continues on this pace for another month, what are you going to do? You got to send him to Charlotte and hit that bouncy ball <laughs> that's going on in AAA. He's still going to put up monster numbers. I mean, I'm I'm in the boat of wondering if Luis Robert is ready right now to join the major leagues, but the White Sox will hold him back as they build up this next wave of talent. But you bring up a great point, Brian, that if you have someone like Andrew Vaughn, and the expectation is that Andrew Vaughn could join the major leagues by 2021, and you may want to because, again, he is limited as far as his profile. This is a 60-hit, 60-plus hit, 60-plus power uh, potential bat that the White Sox have just added to their farm system. And if he's raking in Winston-Salem and Birmingham, I guess why not bring him up, but it does bring into the conversation now. And I know this is going to be a popular question from the White Sox beat reporters, James. What does this draft pick mean for Jose Abreu's future with the White Sox? Yeah, I mean, Sox? I think it's interesting. I don't, you know, I think they've they've overvalued Jose Abreu a little bit. Just he's more valuable to them than he is to other people. I think a lot of, you know, there's been rumors that maybe he was available in trade for the past two years, but I think they asked for unrealistic returns back for him. And now he has basically a half a year of control left. I'm um, somebody that likes Jose Abreu, but I don't, I've never really been a fan of like wanting to extend him and pay him retail. Like if he's, if he's willing to, to stay and he's going to take less to do that, then okay, fine. I think that might be where we are at this point, but I'm not, you know, about to pay market value for, Jose Abreu and you can find that position. So, I mean, you know, go yes. ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I agree with you. I mean, if they offered him a qualifying offer after the season, one year, 18.9 million, I bet Abreu yeah, takes yeah, that. Yeah, I think he would too. Because I, I don't think he's getting $19 million in free agency. Not with the way free agency works. Uh, from Sports Info Solutions, uh, this is one of the uh, more prominent sports data hubs. Uh, their analysis of Andrew Vaughn is that his ceiling could be Paul Goldschmidt. His floor, Mike Napoli. So there you go. Wide range yeah. for Andrew Vaughn yeah. for his projected career between Paul Goldschmidt yeah, yeah. and Mike Napoli, oh, the mercenary. Yeah, yeah. At least, the, like at least the floor is a big leaguer, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> progress. The White Sox are making progress. They are, they are drafting major leaguers. And uh, I clearly missed on who Miami took fourth overall. Uh, so the Detroit Tigers are currently now on the clock, and it looks like Miami has taken J.J. Blade, the outfielder from Vanderbilt. So now Detroit, the White Sox, uh, American League Central rival, uh, is currently on the clock. Uh, but that will do it for this Sox Machine Major League Baseball draft show as the Chicago White Sox again have selected Andrew Vaughn, first baseman from Cal. And there's going to be terrific articles written about where Andrew Vaughn fits as far as the White Sox timeline to contention. Uh, Also where Andrew Vaughn could possibly fit in the top 30 prospects for the White Sox. And you'll be able to read all that great content, not just on Sox Machine, but also from James and Brian's work as well at Future Sox and the Loop Sports. 
And I want to thank Jimmy again. Jimmy, thank you so much for doing this again, uh, for joining the Sox Machine Draft Show and uh, not only providing good analysis, but keeping us on our, on our toes with your, uh, how do I want to say, <laughs> old school humor. Well, when I was a young... Thank you. Thank you, uh, Josh. Thanks for having me. <laughs> And James, man, it's been great working with you uh, as far as with this draft show and communicating with you. I'm sure you and I are going to be texting back and forth uh, closer this evening to the White Sox second round pick at pick 45. And I look forward to your analysis on where Andrew Vaughn fits as uh, with the yeah, White Sox I mean, at, timeline. At this point, though, I might not be able to work tomorrow, though, looking at how this draft. If I have to, I have to write about pick 45 tonight. <laughs> I don't know when that's going to be. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be tomorrow morning at this pace. But but again, James, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Brian, our fourth draft show, man, just wrapped up. Uh, right now, the White Sox will be looking closer to the end of the top 10. There will be a year, Ryan, where we are not talking about a top 10 White Sox draft pick. Uh, but I still think we're going to have to wait a couple more years. But again, thank you, Brian, so much hey, for coming on the show. Always, Josh. Every year I come back, it's even better than the year before. So uh, you know, keep up the good work and keep uh, doing all the great content you're putting out at Sox Machine. And thank you to all that listened to the Sox Machine Draft Show live on Mixer.com slash Sox Machine and also on SoxMachine.com. And again, make sure to read Brian and James, their excellent work at FutureSox.com and the Loop Sports. Dot com And uh, look forward to chatting with you guys on Twitter, uh, also in Sox Machine. Uh, there's going to be a lot of conversation on Twitter and what the White Sox could possibly do uh, with the second round. I'm sure there's a lot of reaction right now on social media on what the White Sox did third overall in the Major League Baseball draft. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to host the Sox Machine draft show as that will do it for this year and we look forward to bringing you the Sox Machine Draft Show again next June in 2020. Thanks for listening guys. Have a great night. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.